What up, YouTube? It's your boy, Banks. And we back in the building, you feel me? It's True Talks. Because True Talks, all right? Let's get straight right into it. So you already know, last night, man, was, you know, it was supposed to be a greater game than what it already was. But even though it did come down to, you know, a game winner, came down to a great game period. You know, when it came to the the Brooklyn Nets versus the Miami Heat. Miami Heat were home and the Brooklyn Nets were on the road. We already know that the game before that, you know, they didn't they didn't play it was uh versus Sixers. They didn't play who they were supposed to play. And then I'm pretty sure who did they face? I think they faced the Hornets and they beat them. I might be mistaken. Let me just make sure. Let me just do my due diligence. You already know. Yeah, so they basically they they played um Minnesota, which where KD snapped, and then you know they lost to obviously the Sixers because you know they sat out you know KD and multiple players, and then you know it 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 came down to the wire with the bench, and I talked about that in my last video as well, and then they faced the Hornets, which they beat, right, and then now it was the game versus the Heat and. You know, they're trying to go for another win, but it was short-lived in the main, you know, kind of, uh, uh, I guess, subject. The main topic, the main headline to talk about was definitely the fact that Katie is injured again, right? Katie got injured again, and, you know, a lot of people are like, oh, my God, Katie with a, with a, with a, with a thigh contusion. Katie, oh, my goodness, Katie, the thigh, the hamstring, what's going on? The same thing. See, he wasn't healthy. This, that, and the third when they're not using IQ when, you know, the 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 injuries actually were independent, right? The thigh, well, it is the thigh, but the hamstring, which he was out for about two months, you know, was basically a different, complete different injury. But, you know, let's go into the context because I give it that context. Let's go straight right into it, boy. So like I was just explaining. The thigh injury where it was just a hamstring, that was mainly before, you know, that was before the All-Star break where he was out for about two months. You know, he was out for a long period of time, and that was the hamstring injury where people were saying that, oh, my God, it probably is torn. It's this and that. Why do you need that long? And they were kind of scared, and, oh, he might not be looking the same, and obviously that was debunked. Once he came back, perfect comeback. You know what I mean? You see him 31 points. You see him move, you know, better and better as the game progresses. You see him dunk. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, with the highlight where the man even stopped jumping. Like, oh, my God, KD got up. So, like, you've seen time and time again when KD plays, all that injury kind of, you know, scare or fear looming in the back of our minds always gets erased. It always gets erased. He comes back from the Achilles injury like he never left, right? Now, obviously, there's a setback. Comes back from the from the hamstring injury like he never left, right? So, at some point, this narrative of, you know, oh, my God, he needs to retire. Oh, my God, he's never going to be the same. He's so injury prone now. And this, that, and a third needs to be debunked and needs to be erased. Yes, you could look at it and say he hasn't played a consistent full year since he came back from his Achilles. And, you know, don't do justice with it and just say that, oh, because of it's the same kind of context with numbers, numbers, numbers. You could say, oh, this guy's averaging this amount of numbers or this guy has this numbers and the stats say this, but the context says something else. 
right? The stats may be misleading. And you could obviously look at, oh, my God, he missed amount of, this amount of games after he came back from his Achilles injury. This is atrocious. Katie's never going to be able to play a full season again type of stuff, right? That's the narrative you could run with based on the missed games, the stats of the missed games, the numbers, right? And that's something that is out of context, and you have to do your due diligence. If you actually really love the sport and you're really authentic with the game, you have to do your due diligence by actually taking into the context of everything. The context is you got to understand, why did Katie be out in the finals? What was the context looming around KD from before? The context was people felt that he shouldn't have come back. People felt that he was rushed to come back. There was a whole hoopla back then of, oh, is KD going to come back? The Warriors versus KD, they're better without KD. This, that, and the third. There were so many, you know, narratives and, and things that were going on at that time. So the whole issue was, is KD going to come back? Is he not? Is he going to come back? Is he not? Then game five, what does he do? He comes back for the last three games and his Achilles pops, right? So his Achilles pops. So you got to look at it from that perspective. The context is the fact that now, ever since, you know, he came, he had an injury where it was, oh, do we, mm, is he coming back? Is he not? Is he fully healthy? Comes back and you have a catastrophic injury happen once he does come back. Moving forward from that day on, we already knew that when it comes to KD, he's never going to come back unless he's 95 to 100%. He's never going to play any game. They're going to be overcautious ever, ever moving forward because what was the whole hoopla? It felt like he was rushed back. People felt that Golden State pushed him back, this and that in the third. So the fact that that happened, that context happened with KD, KD is not going to be like, the normal everyday hooper or how KD used to be where he played some games injured. You know, he probably had a one-two inflammatory or whatever the case. You know how every player plays a couple games banged up. For them not to play is because they feel that they're actually lower than probably 60% or maybe even 50. So then that's when you see them sit out this game or sit out or more so it's a back-to-back. -back. And even if they could play, if it was playoffs, they would play. But more so it's like now you're doing... The, the you're you're trying to be smart for the foreseeable future. If it's a back to back, don't play him two straight games because that that load could you want that load to happen in the playoffs. You don't want that to happen, even though there's no back to backs in the playoffs. But that strenuous, you know, you play and then play again, and you don't want to increase or create some type of deterioration from a back to back. So where it's a setback, you want to only increase, right? So that's what the whole point of resting a back-to-back -back is, one of the games, right? But moving forward, other than that, Katie's never going to be like the typical hooper that you see now where if they're injured or slightly injured, they're going to take the caution side and they're not going to play him. So you can't overlook at that and see missed games and think that, oh, my God, Katie's never going to be the same and this, that, and the third when you've seen him ample times, even in this season, come back from something and look 100% and look like, the same KD we've always seen and we always know and we love, right? That's what you got to understand. That's the context. So now when you look at it from this perspective, one, again, it was proven that clearly his hamstring injury was obviously an injury, but they were on the side of caution, which is why he's going to get more games out, right? Just to be cautious, just to be like, you know, we don't want to risk anything. That's what the context is for KD now, always moving forward. So now he, anytime you see him play, it's because he's 100%. He's not coming back 80%. And, like, they're not going to do that because last time he came back, not 100%. We've seen what happened in the finals. So they're not trying to do that. They're trying to avoid that. 
And not only that, this is the Brooklyn Nets team who also helped surgically repair his Achilles. They were part of the process, right? He was in Brooklyn doing that. So come on now. You already know what they're going to do. So now that you look at that context and now you actually take in what actually happened in this game, a lot of people are just going to use the same. See, I know he was injured. Oh, my gosh, the same leg, this and that or whatever. Look, at, I know IQ. They don't look at the context. They don't watch the footage. They don't watch the game. They don't see what happened. What actually happened, if you paid attention, um, Trevor Ariza actually need his thigh. So it was a straight knee. Katie was trying to do a Euro and, you know, Ariza's sharp knee was there and then when he tried to do the euro he's looking at the net trying to get the and one his whole leg his left leg basically went into at a at a high force because you're trying to you're trying to go so you're going at full force went straight right into his knee and that's where the bruising probably happened and the contusion happened so when you look at it from that perspective even after that katie still took still played a couple minutes he got a block, you know, he he still was trying. And then obviously the more he was putting pressure on, it's like, ah, God, like it, it's affecting him, right? He even got a bucket, a step back <laughs> with, with the with the contusion at, at hand, right? So like, come on now, like clearly if, if, if this was playoffs, the man will find a way to play, right? But again, you got to understand the context of the new KD based off of what transpired. Like I said, it's now where they're going to take side, the, the more side of caution, if anything, and again, this video and me doing this is coming out like I made this and created this before any news comes out right today. If you hear any news of he's out this amount of time and this and that in the third and they do a, a scan and they do, you know, further imaging or further, you know, testing, then they come up with whatever, you know, uh, uh, conclusion that they come up with. That's all after I've already said what I'm saying here now. Right. So just keep that in mind. So without me knowing anything, obviously they're going to do his, you know, they're going to revisit his leg and obviously do the testing, like I said, and they're going to do that today and reevaluate him. But if I have to just guess based off of a, his a sharp knee hitting his leg and it's not like it's the same hamstring injury. Remember, a hamstring is, you know what I'm saying, is at the back, right? The hamstring is the back, the back of the leg. So the hamstring, it being pulled, if he just kind of stepped or did planted or did something with no contact, no actual, you know, contact with someone else or anything. And then like the one with Harden, that's when you're like, ah, that's more so like he probably was injured. He wasn't fully healthy. Or now you could do that whole speculation. Now you could be more worried and you could be like, this is serious, right? But this is a contact injury. This is like a knee on knee. This is kind of like a Charlie horse situation, right? This is where someone came and ah, need you and gave you a Charlie horse or whatever the case is. And they kind of like, they created that. So you have an actual contact situation. So that's a more positive sign than the other sign of if, you know, he just kind of just pulled it on his own. And those ones is kind of like, will take a long, long, pretty much a long time. Like he was out already to heal because the other one is the same thing. Those pulled situations, it takes a ample amount of time to heal, right? That's why the hardened situation is more so, ah, because he tried to come back. Then he just stepped and he's kind of like, ah, right. That's one is more so could be maybe more serious as it's lingering around. Katie clearly was fully healed from the hamstring because he's been planting. He's been dunking all of that. It's mainly was now the front of his leg, right? The, the thought his thigh, right? The quad. Now, all of a sudden, boom, contusion. So, you know, when I look at it, I think that'll take two, maybe two, two, three weeks max, right? Depending on the severity of the actual bruising or the actual 
contact that Ariza made because he was going pretty full speed, right? That was not a situation that was avoidable. That's a situation where it's kind of like, ah, you know, you have to kind of just see at hand that this was something that was going to happen. It's not like you could have avoided it. He tried to even avoid by doing a Euro, but he wasn't kind of looking like he's looking at the rim, right? He's trying to get the layup. So, and that just kind of was bad timing, bad placement. These are regular basketball injuries that happen on every given time, right? This is like, come on, how many times does a man go in the lane and you get that contact and sometimes it's not even a big bruise and it's kind of, it doesn't even, it's like, ah, you continue the game, right? This contact happens all the time on almost every foul, right? If you get fouled in the paint, there's some type of contact. You don't just get fouled off no contact. So this is not a situation where it's kind of like to be overly scared or overly worried about, you know, Katie and the Nets. Now, only way to now, I guess, what people are going to probably be bringing up, you already know, is the fact that they haven't been healthy together, especially the trio. They haven't been on the court together for a long period of time. It's only been seven games. Now, you got it where it's only 15 games left. If KD does miss, you know, two weeks, right, he's only going to be playing for because there's only like basically a month left in the season. He's only going to be playing the last two weeks. What is that? Maybe five, six, five to eight games ish. Five to ten, right? I'll probably say five to eight games around. So that kind of affects the continuity, the chemistry, and just, you know, the balance and how they move with their sets, moving together as a trio in terms of now entering the playoffs, right? That's not something you want at hand. And that's where the history shows you most teams that have limited amount of time played together don't don't really win. They rarely do win. And like in terms of the championship and the ring. Right. So I guess from that that perspective, right, without context, just that that well, it, that is technically context, but it's not context for this situation, but it's context for history. Right. It's history context, that context within history. Obviously, it's more so like, OK, I get why people are if you're a Nets fan, you're feared or if you're just a, a uh, you know, maybe a Braun fan or just an NBA fan and just kind of analyzing are the Nets going to be a problem. You kind of are more skeptical and on the side of huh, it's not going to work. No, nope, it's not going to happen due to that factor. Right. That's a huge factor and a huge reason for a lot of people. You hear the Nick Wright. You hear a lot of these guys say that all the time. Right. But again, that's erasing context. And that's what I'm here to do. Right. The context for this team is most people. There is specific. There's specific context or specific skill sets. Specific things that one, two, three up out of the trio or the big three super team players, right? The three main players, there's specific skills that these guys have that they are going to clash that they need continue the continuity in order to even it out, straighten it out, get a full. OK, this is what we're going to do. This is OK. You know, down the clutch this is what we're going to do. You're over. You're going to be over here. You're going to be placed over here. You're only going to backdoor in certain situations because, you know, you're limited. It's harder for you to play off ball. Like there's so many different deficiencies within a big three that when they come together, you could see where certain aspects of that trio clash. Right. That's like what you saw with the heat. That's why the first year it didn't really work, because if Dwayne Wade is ball handling a lot, LeBron has to play off the ball. He's not great off the ball. Right. Chris Bosh was used to playing in the post and whatever. He has to now spot up. Now there's a diff there's a deficiency balance and a play style clash within the trio because Wade isn't just the greatest off-ball shooter. Braun isn't the greatest off-ball shooter. There is some type of deficiencies, right? 
That's why you didn't see too many hindrance with the, the Katie, Clay, and Steph aspect of the trio because they could all, all of them could do the same things. They, they're so potent. They could all play off ball. You know, Katie could get the ball. Like, they don't clash. So when you have players at, at like, this type of level in terms of MVP caliber or all-star, superstar caliber that don't clash, their play styles don't clash, you don't need that much continuity because the continuity is based off of the IQ and the based off of the factor and the elite skill set you present, right? Continuity more so is more predicated and more you need it more so when other skill sets kind of, they clash. There's certain like, oh my goodness, this guy can't be here. Is he as effective over there? Like, you know, there's certain individual components that actually don't go together or don't mesh as seamlessly as other people with different skill sets. And that's where the continuity, you need more reps to know tendencies, knowing, okay, this and that and the third. You always need tendencies, you know, and reps knowing tendencies, all that type of stuff. You do always need that with any team, regardless of the skill set or not. Yes. But what I'm saying is, I'm saying it's more so, it's more so a, 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 a important high factor, real factor, like you can't win without this. Like it's a, Real stress factor when there's other, like I said, deficiencies. This team, this trio has no deficiency, which is why you've seen them in the first seven games already go five and two. You've seen them. Obviously, out of context, you already know playoffs now when, you know, it's not going right. How do you know how the Eagles are not going to come at play? And how does it go in this matter when, you know, in this time, in this time, if my shot isn't going in or my shot's hidden and you have the ball and you're bricking and it's the clutch time, give me the rock. Are we going to fight? Etc. Right. So it's like I understand that part of it, but that part of it will never get you can't really practice that part of it because this is what people don't understand. When you're this potent of a skill, when you have this potent of a skill set. And not just the skill set, these three are this potent in terms of their individual ability and career. We've never seen a trio. We've never seen an elite trio like this. This is the best trio of all time. It's actually no debate. Right. It's the best trio of all time individually and now together that you're seeing right so when you when you see it from this aspect you got to understand that because the trio is so potent and because the trio has so high iq like i said and because this trio like i said the skill set there's so many things that they're operating at a high magnitude and a higher echelon than everybody else and other trios that you've seen that the continuity that they will get is always going to be on a play-by-play, game-by-game basis because they're so elite. That's why you hear them say we take it one day at a time. They're so elite that at any time, KD could be frying. At any time, James Harden could be frying. At any time, Kyrie could be frying. So it's not one fits all. It's not one shoe fits all because they're so potent. Most times, like you've seen with Golden State, there is certain deficiencies. Even with those skill sets, there's deficiencies. Clay, uh, Clay doesn't really ISO at a high operating you know, uh, uh, octave. He doesn't, he doesn't, he doesn't, you know, uh, uh, octane, sorry. He doesn't, he doesn't operate at that level where he just isos all day, every day and can score 20 off just isos. He doesn't do that. He can iso based off situation. Yes. Curry isos based off situation. Yes. But Curry don't even just iso, iso, iso. So there already was a hierarchy in terms of who does what, when, dependent on what we need, which is why you've seen KD was a two times final MVP. Anytime they needed a bucket, 
KD was the main ISO bucket getter because no one competed with his ISO buckets. There was no one that was on his ISO bucket level. So there wasn't even an argument. So they didn't need to do it by a play-by-play, game-by-game basis. When we know it's the clutch and we need a bucket and it's half court, go to this. Obviously, you run the play. If Steph and Clay get it off the play or off the double team, we already know. But predominantly, when it, if we need an ISO bucket, it goes to this guy. That's what I'm saying with this trio. They're so elite that what I'm explaining to you is that they're operating at such a high level. They're all so their talent individually, one-on-one, is so elite that it doesn't matter who has it. So that's why it's going to be more so a play-by-play basis. So that continuity that you get for tendencies for this and that isn't necessarily going to be the end-all, be-all. It's not going to matter in terms of playoffs. You always are only going to know what's at hand by playoffs. So even if they played 60 games together this whole season, it wouldn't really translate into playoffs because in the playoffs now that you have every matchup every game is different because they're so their iso ability is so elite that you have to see what's at hand does Kyrie have the mismatch this time does katie have the mismatch this time does harder have the mismatch this time is this guy hot this time like you're never going to ever know who's going to take it that continuity in terms of this is our identity this is what we do this is never going to be like that ever because they're so elite so that's why I was what I'm actually saying is that they're the one team that it's not going to matter if they played 60 games or they played 10 games or they played five games because their ability is so elite. It literally does not matter. That's what it comes down to. This is the one team that all that history that you've known of other teams has to be debunked because this team isn't like the history that you have of your of your put all your sample size. They're not like they're not the same. <laughs> they're not the same. So when you look at it from that perspective, this could be the one team like you've seen. Like people are saying, how can you win without the defense? They're not the same. They're not like other teams. Even the defense part of it is even capped. But even then, they're not the same. All those historic type of cliches or narratives or this, this is how it always is for all these teams gets debunked when you're dealing with a team that's not like all these teams. And that's what people are erasing. That's the main thing people aren't bringing up when it comes to this KD, Kyrie, Harden, Trio, and the Nets team in general. You're not understanding that this team has it all. No weakness. Has it all. So when you have no weakness and everyone could do everything, come on now. How much they that they, they could KD spotted up, Kyrie spotting up, even Harden spotting up, it don't matter. As opposed to, okay, Braun, you can't, you can't spot up, so you have to have the ball because you have to have the ball. You know, this guy has to do this. This guy has to do this. We need reps together to, you know, this is the same thing with the AD Braun fit. You need reps together because certain players have certain deficiencies. Certain players are better in this way than this way. Katie, and the, Katie could spot up and get 30 off spot ups. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, come on now. That's why you see Harden be the playmaker. Harden can still playmake and be you know, transcendent with 15, 10, and 10. And then the Kyrie has 30 and Katie has 30. Come on now. Like, you've seen when they first was playing together. Like, come on. What, so, like, you, the, what con- continuity do you need with, with all-world guys, guys who have no weakness? What continuity do you need? What continuity do you need? You know what I'm saying? 
Like, what, that's what I'm trying to say. You will never know. This team will never know until the only way for them to get true continuity with playoff basketball is to actually be in playoff basketball. So whatever they did in the regular season will never, ever translate into the playoffs because they're so elite. They could do anything at any time. It could be this guy. It could be this. It, it's all based off a of game-by-game, day-by-day basis situation. And that's why they're so elite because they can't adjust at any time. Most teams can't adjust to anything. Whatever you throw at them, they could adjust because they're so elite. And that's why they will never know how they're supposed to play until they get there. So whatever they did in the regular season would not matter even if they played all 82 or all 72. It won't matter because a team's going to throw this. They're going to throw a zone. They're going to throw it. Like, there's not, they're going to have to play by ear always, regardless. They would have to. Whether they were injured, whether they weren't, all they need to do is be healthy. That's all they need to do. So that's why I'm not truly, truly worried because this, this, this team is historic. And you're going to see in the playoff time. When they're all healthy, you're going to see. So I guess everybody else having fear, you know, having all of this type of stuff, I guess I understand. That and I do understand because those things are a big worry for any other team, for most teams, actually, for basically every team up to this point. But, you know, this isn't every team. <laughs> this isn't every team. So when you look at it from that perspective, I understand why people think it's serious. Like the KD injury, even if it's not fully serious, it's serious in terms of this last stretch where he was supposed to be here and play, 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 play. Now you just had our Harden, and then now, okay, we Gucci. Let's get some reps. It's always about the reps. It's always about the reps. Honestly, for this team, it's about the health. The reps, are like, it's all about the health. And the fact that all these injuries combined, right? Kyrie, you already know he's healthy. He's good, right? All these injuries with Harden and, and KD combined, they're going to be healthy come playoff time. That's all that matters. So the fact that they're going to be 100% come playoff time, there's no, there's no worries for me during the playoffs because I already know how elite the IQ, everything is with this team, right? Like, there's other guys like Joel Embiid that has never, this health has always been compromised. They don't say nothing about their health. They're always bringing up health, 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 health with the Nets, rightfully so, but they're always bringing it up because they have to find some type of narrative. There's other guys like, why all of a sudden are we not bringing up health, 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 health with the Lakers? They do bring it up, but they're just assuming they're going to be fully healthy. Why would you assume that when 80 looked like he had an Achilles tear? You know what I'm saying? Like, come on now. He's about to be back, so we'll see. But I'm saying, if any, the concern and the energy you should be bringing with that health should be to the Lakers out of any other team. At any team, should be to the Lakers and the Sixers because Embiid always looking like his knee is about to pop. And I don't like to see any injury clearly obviously but every time he plays you see him laboring you see like every game he actually has more and his history he has he doesn't even have seasons where he's played a full season like katie actually has history of barely getting injured and seasons playing and playing like mb don't have that so for you to now assume that now they're going to the finals and he's going to be able to you know what i mean you're not bringing that injury history into that but you're bringing injury into the nets as if Harden hasn't been the most durable guy, and this is finally he's out. You know what I'm saying? Come on now. Let, it, it, you know, I, I, like I said, it's rightfully so, but just the same context and the same energy you bring to the Nets, bring it to the other teams that have real injury plagues. You know what I'm saying? Look at AD. We already know how he, at any time he could be gone. Same thing I said with MB. So the same thing y'all say that, oh, with Kyrie and Katie, whatever, apply it to everybody else. They don't. They don't. 
They just assume the Nets aren't going to win. They're not going to be healthy. They're not going to have continuity. Even if they're, you know, no, they're going to be affected. No. Come on now. Stop this. Stop it. Please. Please. Just stop it. You already know. Anyways, it's True Talks. Because True Talks. Share, like, and subscribe. You know, I know that obviously they lost the last game. You know, it came down to a BAM elite game winner with a step back in the midi. That's how you know this NBA different, man. How is a center facing up? With the time running down, 5-4, right, at the three-point line, and then getting a step-back midi drive take like he's literally a wing player. Like, that's how you know the NBA has changed. Like, centers would have never caught it out there, ever, for a game winner. No, you get it to one. The furthest they get it is the high, high elbow. <laughs> that's the furthest, furthest they would get it, and then they go to work from there and try to do the one-two bucket, sky hook, you know what I'm saying, pulls, fade, whatever. But, like, Come on, like, this man faced up like he was actually, like, he actually was looking like he was Kobe or MJ. Faced up at the three-point line, five, four, three, step back. And, it, like, this NBA different, man. That's a center. That's your center. Six, nine, six, ten. That's your center doing that. Come on now. Come on now. Like, that's different, man. That's absolutely different. But, you know, they lost that game, obviously. Kyrie struggled. But you already know, man. They faced the Pelicans on, on Tuesday, so we'll see how that goes. But, again, we'll hear more news today most likely about what's going on with Katie, you know, the the timetable and all of that type of stuff. And we'll find out, but this is all before that. And, you know, we'll see if I have IQ or not, but I just, I anticipate two, three weeks max. I think pretty much one to two weeks. I think, you know what I'm saying? I think he should be good. Cause it's just a thigh bruise after like three, four days, the swelling will go down and, you know, and the bruising will go away and then, or, you know, it won't be too, too much. And then, you know, he'll start feeling properly and it's, it's just because it was a bruise, it's just a sudden bang, right? And that's where, you know, he just needs rest on that and ice and elevate and all that type of stuff, massage, do whatever they got to do, you already know, and, and, and scar tissue in and whatever. But, you know, I think oh, two, two, I think two weeks with NBA medicine, you know, a regular man's will take probably <laughs> a month and a bit for that to heal. But, you know, NBA man's, I already know that's going to be with the medicine and doctors or whatever. That's like two weeks. I'll be surprised if it's anything more than three. You know what I'm saying? So you We'll see how it goes, and we'll see. We'll see if, you know, I was right or not, but that's kind of what I think in my assessment. But, again, regardless, I don't think it's a serious situation at all, at all. The fact that it was actually a need I hit him, I'm glad because it was, if it wasn't, it was a non-contact injury, that's something to be scared about and feared about and worried about, right? So, you know. So now we move on. We move on to the, to the Raptors. You know what I'm saying? We move on to the Raptors and, you know, the Raptors, honestly, like, they won the last three games. You already know, obviously. And, you know, the Raptors was, you know, the Raptors was moving properly. They was moving properly, right? They was moving properly, especially with no Pascal and, you know, no, no, no couple of guys, right? We know how they was moving. And, honestly, it was, it was something to actually be like, you know what? This team, I mean, like, at the end of the day is going to, this is what Elite looks like in terms of the fact that they're just, the guys, what the, the guy's ability, the guy's build and stuff like that, right? So, like, obviously they had Van Vliet out, Lowry and the rest of them, you know, they were, they resting. They even got fined, I guess, because they're thinking that they're capping, right? And I think that the fact that they're resting these guys on purpose, right, I think they are trying to actually tank, right, and not make it. But now that you have the Bulls who are without Levine for, like, what, 10 to, 10 to 14 days they had, so it's probably, what? About 10 days by now, I'll probably say 9, 10 days. So that's a couple more games, right? They could drop down and lose a 1-2, right? 
and the Raptors will be intent and they might make the play in by default. They might make the play in by accident, right? And that's what I was saying. That's sometimes always happens with the Raptors. Like they try to tank or whatever and just like, it's just not in the blood, right? It's just not in the blood, right? It's not in the bloodstream at all. They're like trying to tank and then now you have a man show ability. You're having Yuta from the last game, right? Before the game with OKC. You have Yuta have his career high. You have Paul Watson have his career high. And Yuta's doing pull-ups. Like I'm watching Yuta do, do pull-ups. I'm watching Boucher do pull-ups. I'm watching Malachi do pull-ups. I'm watching Trent, even if he's struggling, the fact that like he obviously shot horrendous, nine for 25, but I'm watching ability. I don't care about the misses. I don't. To be honest, I don't care about the misses, especially when you're a young guy. I never care about the misses. Your efficiency naturally will increase, increase as you get better and you get better and you get more seasoned. You're going to naturally increase. You get the offseason reps in like you're going to get more reps. This is him just coming in from not getting that many shots all of a sudden to be throwing in midseason. Right. Trade deadline to now getting shots. Trent. And what are you doing? Shot creating. So I don't expect his efficiency to be high because before he was only getting maybe what? Ten shots. Max. And then even when CJ was out, it went up a little bit. But even then, the fact that he's able to shot create, you know, don't even need to go to the paint to get any bucket. Like, confident, even with him, even with misses, still pull, still pull, and still make, right? So, like, come on now. Like, I'm not worried about Like, this is a positive sign. Anytime Trent is bricking and he's still showing ability and still, like, you got to understand, as a hooper, most guys, when you start bricking, it's like, ah, you're not comfortable taking tough takes. You're not comfortable taking it because you know that your palms are sweaty. You want, if anything, attack, attack. That's what they tell you. Attack, run to the paint, go to the free throw line, get that rhythm back, and then now take the tough takes. The man doesn't do that. The fact that he's confident in his mind, like that's extreme confidence. That's what I'm trying to highlight to y'all. Extreme confidence is the fact that you're struggling, but yet your mind tells you, I'm going to still take an elite take as if I'm hot. I'm going to still take a heat check take as if I'm hot. It don't matter because I'm confident. I believe that I can hit it. My misses don't even matter. The fact that you could erase your misses, it don't matter. I'm hot whenever. Whenever I pull it, it should go in. Anytime I shoot, it's like I'm hot. That extreme confidence is nothing. It's not a negative at all. There's nothing negative about that. That's the biggest positive. That's the Kobe Jordan mindset. Like, that is it right there. That's what you say, that it factor. That's like, that man is never scared. That right there. And that's what I see from Trent. And that's what I'm like, yo. The ability is nice, man. And I'm watching the take. <laughs> My God, the step back. I'm watching some of these takes, and I'm like, yo, this is elite, man. This is elite. Even if he misses, even if he makes, like, this is elite. I'm watching Malachi. I'm watching all these guys do takes. Like, the fact that Boucher is looking like, like he came off the KD tree with these pull-ups in the gaps, you know what I'm saying? Like, with length and stuff like that. Like, it just exposes how Pascal has never improved. Like, I get, the more I see these guys, the more I'm like, Pascal, what are you really doing? What are you really doing? And this it more and it, I don't like to harp on Pascal. I don't. But it's like stuff like this is so hard not to when you see Yuda finally get one opportunity. You would think he's just going to take guaranteed takes. The man is doing pull ups. That's how you know it's my ability. Like. It's my ability. Most guys do pull ups or they do shot creating takes when they're already hot. Like I said, when they're comfortable. Like, it's not under blood, but the fact that you don't even have the green light yet. You just have one opportunity. You might get benched if you miss three takes in a row. And mans are still taking it. Like, it don't matter. Like, because it's in the blood. It's in the blood. You know what I'm saying? So, like, that's what I'm starting to see from once you take out the Van Fleet, you take out all these guys. I'm seeing ability all over the place. Like, I'm actually seeing ability. I'm actually seeing ability. You know what I'm saying? So, like, it's just sad that Pascal could go all these years and not show no ability. And people still act like he's been improving. Oh, my God, his handle. 
I told y'all he never improved. His situation improved. Or else, why is he no, showing no ability when guys in one game, one game Utah plays and you see more ability than Pascal applies? One game. How many wrong foot or uh, one foot runners, floaters, you know, pull up in the, the pull ups like that you've seen from Utah in that 21 points? I don't even see that from Pascal. It's all push shots, push shot floaters, spins, layups. Like, that's what it is. And then set shots. Once in a blue moon, he does a step back in the midi or his, his, his one foot or whatever. But, like, majority of the times, it's all straight paint. See, I come in the paint, that's all it is. So, like, I'm seeing this ability, and I'm just happy, man. I'm just happy that, like, these young guys, these youngins, these guys who are, like, trying to make a name for themselves have the ability, and they're actually going to it. Like, that's extreme confidence, and that's something that is always a benefit down the line. And like seeing Boucher do what he was doing, I'm like, maybe in the future at some point, like you might have to just put Boucher at the four and like put a big at the five. I mean, maybe Pascal goes to the three. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I, I like, or maybe Boucher comes off the bench being the four. Like, obviously, because Boucher at the five, the problem with that is that, the, you know, the lack of the strength, the lack of girth, obviously. You know, I mean, he does help side block and all those type of stuff in team defense. But one-on-one, man's could break his chest. Like, he's, you know, he's skinny. And we understand that. But, like I said, he could, he literally has the Bobo KD blueprint. Like, he literally, from that tree, he's from that tree, do pull-ups. Like, he could play the four and just shot create when he gets it. And actually, he could spot up, like, even though his shot is hella, you know, looks fugaze or whatever the case is. Like, he's actually showing his potent ability. He's showing it. So. You know, he actually should be, he could be playing the four often and just should be the four moving forward. That's what he should be. He shouldn't even play any five because he clearly don't have to, you don't have to run pick. He's playing like a wing. He's actually looking like a wing, catch and shoot, like catch and shoot, pump fake, one dribble pull. Like he's actually looking like a, a, a real wing. And it's sad that you see Boucher do this in his first year where he has a finally a great opportunity and yet Pascal with the all the green light in the world, is not doing this. Like, this is what I've been trying to tell. Like, it's sad, man. It's sad. It's act- Every time I watch these role players or regular mans or, like, G League t- capable mans, the guys who just came, like, you're watching guys who have no name for themselves in terms of what the regular fan base, they don't know who they are, and you're seeing them apply more ability than your, your all-star. It's sad. It's actually sad. My goodness, man. Anyways, like, but the main thing is, the fact that the resting guys are still able to win. The fact that, you know, they're trying to, I, it looks like they're trying to tank. I mean, why are you resting all these guys? Pascal clearly could play. That's why the league find them. You know what I'm saying? And then yet you rest them because you're expecting to lose. Continuously lose, 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 lose. And that's what it looks like the route that they're trying to go because there's no excuse for why Lowry should be out this long off an ankle sprain. There's no excuse why Van Vliet should be out like this off a of back. Like, come on now. They have an injury, so you're just, you're just milking it, obviously, which other teams do do. Like, you see Al Horford sitting out OD. Like, you've seen it with, with the, even the Thunder, Shea. Like, there's no way they're still in. Like, come on now. We already know what y'all trying to do. Y'all trying to get a pick. You're trying to rebuild, right? You have all those picks. You know OKC has all those picks. So them winning actually makes no sense. You have all those picks. They're trying to cash in on those picks. Right. So you already know every every and every last half of the year. Right. After all star break, whatever, they're going to start resting their main guys. 
even Lou Dort pulling, like Lou Dort getting buckets. Like, come on now, man. A man that they said can't shoot, frying, frying. Like, like Pascal, man. Come, you got, you can't be watching this and just and take this. You have to go in the lab. You have to go. Like, come on now. Change your mindset. You have to. You have to. If you that do, come on now. Like, this is horrendous at this point. But anyways, like I was saying, like you see, they're trying to tank, but they couldn't. Cause they're winning, and these guys, like, then they have that mentality. Is like, is the Raptors are in that that situation where it's kind of like gift and a curse. You want to obviously lose, you obviously want to tank, you obviously don't want to make the play in, right? But then there's a part of you that wants to make the play in. There's a part of you that you're loving the development and the ability from all these young guys that are playing, and the fact that they're trying and getting winning experience in just you know being the focal points, right? Malachi starting point guard, controlling the tempo, like he's getting valuable experience valuable experience right that's why they say experience is the best teacher he's getting valuable experience throwing into the wolves and he just he's just learning on the fly right and that's something's like learning on the fly and then you're actually winning because now it's, it's going to matter for when they're in winning situations right you want them to the fact that they're showing the fact that they can handle that and win you know and win these games is like it's it's bittersweet everything is bittersweet everything is a gift and a curse situation and like it's like <laughs> you want to tank, but then the fact that you're happy that they're winning because they're showing ability and all like it's so many like you like this and then you want this, but then you like this, but then you want this and then you like this, but you don't want like it's so much. It's like it's literally yin, yin, yin yang. That's what it is right now. It's the yin yang Raptors. So when you look at it from that perspective, man, it's just you It's literally you like there's benefits to everything. Oh, they're sitting them out. Oh, we can tank blast. Mans are, oh my God, I'm seeing ability. Mans are winning blast. We can make the play in. Like, it's like, you know, it's, every man is contradicting. Every man is like, is wishy-washy right now. That's how we are as, 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 as Raptors fans right now. Everyone's wishy-washy. It's like, ah, damn, man. You know, it's obviously one, two, we're mad that they lost. But then in the moment, you're happy that, oh my God, ability. Oh my God, great win. Now, Mans could do the play in. Like, it, honestly, like, they could do the play in. But like, I. Like, I remember a lot of y'all was saying you rather them tank and stuff like that. Majority of y'all were saying you rather them tank off my last video. But, you know, you're seeing wins. You're seeing wins. Would you like to see them now go full-fledged and go for the playing? Like, again, you still don't like it because ideally you want them to go for a pick. But, like I said, there's so many benefits within the non-benefit. There's so many, you know, gifts within the curse. There's so many, you know what I mean? <laughs> There's so many cakes within, you know, you're trying to eat it too. There's so there's like, come on. There's so many, there's so many things that are like both, both ways. So when you look at it from that perspective, man, like I, I don't even know what to feel right now with the Raptors. I really don't. I really don't, man. I really don't because they're just, they're just, they're playing with our minds right now. They're playing with everything, pulling on our heartstrings because at the end of the day, like it's just, this just tells you the identity of the Raptors. You don't like, it's just not in their blood. It's just not in their blood. They're trying to win. Sorry, they're trying not to win, but they're trying to win at the same time. So, I mean, I mean, you know, we'll see. If they keep resting, if they keep resting Lowry and all these other guys, and even if it's not Lowry or whatever, if they keep resting, and it's crazy now, you rested, you didn't even end up, like, you rested Lowry all this time, and you didn't even trade him and get something for him. And you might lose him for nothing in the offseason. So what was the point? That's how you know that they even, this just shows you that they literally were trying to sell him but they wanted way too much for him, and then man's dropped out. Then now what you were going to get was going to be straight garbaggio, straight garbage, straight anus, straight fugazi. So now you can't do the deal now, right? Because that's like if you went from this deal to now giving up this, that's horrendous. 
or only getting this, that would be horrendous. So now, obviously, they're in a situation where they couldn't do nothing. But now you're not even playing him. You're basically resting him. You're treating him like he's Al Horford. Veteran, sit down, let the young gunners play. You know what I'm saying? And like, bruh, it's just, you know, you should have just traded him then and got at least picks or, you know, Fiable, whoever, like Maxi, whoever you were going to get. Come on now. Young guns, like more young guns, right? Then it would make more sense. But again, you know, I guess, you know, they, everyone, they, you know how it transpired. But anyways, what I was saying and before we, you know, come to a closing, you know, at the end of the day, like I said, if they now rest these guys for multiple games, especially this week, then you're going to be like, okay, these men are clearly, <laughs> clearly trying to tank, clearly trying to tank. And now that you clearly trying to tank, like you have to now at some point, nurse is going to have to, if they're really trying to tank at some point, nurse is going to have to manipulate the lineup. He's going to have to, you know, Malachi, Trent, all these guys in the closing, sit him out and play strictly Yuda, Stanley Johnson. You know what I'm saying? Jalepsby, uh, or how you say his name, Galepsby, or however you say his name. Watson, right? All the, like, Birch, obviously, he's in contract here. Like, even play some Baines. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, Bembry, whoever. Like, you got to play those guys, right? So it's like, and even then, they can even still sometimes win. Like, I, I don't know, man. At the end of the day, like, they're not too far off. Like I was saying, in the standings, obviously, they're still in the, they're still number 10 right now. They moved up. So, I mean, if you continuously move up, you continuously win. This changes things. This changes a whole perspective. Like, what do you really do now if you're winning games by accident? What do you really do? Are you just going to have to now bring back Lowry and just, okay, fine, and whatever. We just go full ham on the plane. Like, are you going to have to, you know, abandon your plan, right? So, we'll see how this all transpires. But, again, the main thing for me is that I like the ability that I'm seeing. I'm, 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 I'm liking it. I'm getting clarity on who could do what. Obviously, when you get a full-fledged proper team together next year, you know who could do what. You know whose role is what. Like, I like man, GT coming off bare pin downs. Like, like he's showing even different skill sets in terms of play actions, right? So, like, you're seeing a lot of that. You're seeing even Malachi probe, 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 floater, probe, 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 layup. Like, you're seeing so much ability. Like, I'm liking what I'm seeing, man. Like, you you understand. Like, I'm actually finally watching. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Not, oh, bro. And when I'm watching, like, before I was never doing that, I'm watching. Ew, Pascal. Like, all catch and shoot, drive to the paint. Like, no buck, no proper buckets, right? So, now you're starting to see ability. And I, like I said, I like it. So, it's like, it's bittersweet. It's bittersweet for me, man. Because, you know, showing those improvements and showing those capabilities definitely helps in the long run. Definitely helps. And you now get more clarity, like I said, who is going to do what and who's going to be a keeper, who is not, who can you let go, who's expendable. Like, your these are the moments that you get to, you know, you value these moments because you get to really kind of sit back, reflect, and see. It's kind of like tryouts right now. That's kind of like what it is. <laughs> that's kind of what it is. But anyways, you already know, you know, that's what it is, man. That's what it is. Now we look at it from this perspective, man. When we look at the Celtics, man, the Celtics, like, remember how people, and I made a video too, the reason why they were struggling, whatever, and I was saying a lot of it had to do with COVID and obviously not having Tatum at the four, doing that two big lineup shit, whatever they was doing. Now they strictly went back to more so lineups of last year. You only, you never, you always see Tatum at the four, or if not, you see Grant Williams. You don't see, you don't see, 
two bigs. Like, remember when I mean two bigs, they were before doing a lot of Robert Williams and Tice. Robert Williams and Tice. Tice and Tristan Thompson. Tice or Thompson and, 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 uh, and Williams. Now you're seeing Strictly Thompson with Tatum at the four or Strictly Williams with Tatum at the four or Grant Williams at the four, whatever. And when I mean Williams, I meant Robert, right? And now that he's been he even missed the one, two couple games, then you're seeing Chomp Thompson and, you know, other just basically a one big and then your perimeter players. So that's why they're not able to get that's why they're not able to get doubled at times. That's why you're seeing Tatum's uh, uh, level of um, increasing in terms of his individual play going back up and skyrocketing back like how he was before the season. You've seen him get his career high in 53. Not only that to mention when Tatum actually talked about the fact that COVID was really rough for him. Remember when I said COVID, I felt like COVID wasn't the same. He was never the same ever since COVID because COVID has been so rough for Tatum that he actually explained how his lungs and his lung capacity hasn't been proper, that he actually had to get asthma, um, you know, had to get a puffer or whatever. He had to like take asthma or, you know, take his puffer for, you know, like he has asthma. He's never had to take a puffer and an inhaler ever before. Right. Because he's now struggling to be, breathe. The fact that you went from regular man, never used puffer, never used an inhaler to now you have to take an inhaler before games to open up your lungs. That means COVID literally changed his whole lung capacity. Right. So like change all his breathing and everything. So that literally breathing affects you because when you now breathe and y'all have fatigue, like if you play when you're like, yes, you're tired, but you're like you're cognizant of what's going on. But when you're fatigued, fatigued. Like you're short of breath fatigue and you have to play during those circumstances. It's like trying to finish a set hella tired or trying to finish this last minute on the treadmill hella tired. You move hella sloppy. You don't, you're, you're not using this. Your technique is fugazi, right? Yeah. You're not, you know, when you're hella tired and stuff like that, it's not the same. You don't move the same. You're kind of just going through motions, right? You're not, you're not at operating at a proper level when you're hella fatigued. You know, there's being tired and there's fatigued. Fatigue, I'm talking about fatigue, like, you know, like shortness of breath fatigue, like like that kind of fatigue, like you're not moving the same. You're tired. You're not like you're not, like you shoot. While, you shoot while huffing and puffing at that severity. You're going to you're not even focused on aiming. You're not even focused on making the shot. You're going to clap the whole rim like you're just shooting because you're because you're supposed to shoot. But you're not really like you're not really focused. You're not really like your mental is not there because you're hella tired. All you're thinking about is you're tired and you're fatigued. Right. So like that, that is real is tough. That's tough. And that's what you saw from Tatum. Like clearly you could see that's why his percentages were horrendous. When I saw horrendous percentages, I'm like, come on. I know Tatum has a one, two game where he struggles, but like often like this, no way, especially in his career year, we would at the beginning of the year, we were shooting 48 plus percent. Come on now. Like that's context. No, he's been improving. Like he's been past that stage of, hella inefficiency he's like most guys if you look at their stats in the beginning of their careers they're that's where they were at their most inefficient that's the, where they were at, at their most inefficient play ever since now they're starting to get closer to their prime where they get one like three four years under their belt you by year three year four those elite top tier guys you start seeing high efficiency you know what i'm saying so like in comparison to their beginning rookie rookie two three years like come on now like tatum been past that point so when i saw inefficient play like that I'm like, come on now. That's straight. There's something going on, especially since he missed bear games of COVID. Like, I thought it was like rhythm and stuff like that. But now it was breathing. It clearly was breathing. I knew he was tired and he said it. But to this extent, 
I knew it. There was something wrong, and that's the main reason for the Celtics' struggles. Now he's coming back to more so play. Marcus Smart is obviously in, integrated more so now. They changed the lineup too. So now you're seeing full-fledged, even with Jalen Brown being out. Now you're seeing them on a six-game winning streak, and you're seeing buckets, Jalen Brown frying, Jason Tatum frying. Kemba now is being more aggressive because he has more uh, uh, games under his belt. He's now, you know, familiar. He has his familiarity back, right? So you're starting to see Kemba be more aggressive, right? So, like, everything's going back to normal to where they were looking like the Eastern Conference, you know, finalists of what they were last year. And that's what the that's the Celtics you're starting to see now. And that's the Celtics I always thought that there was going to be this year even probably even better. I always thought that Celtics, especially that trio, I'm like, that's the trio that could actually threaten the Nets because they're the only trio that could shot create shot create match individually with the you know with the the, the elite trio with the with the Nets, right? Obviously, the the Sixers have a a trio, but Ben Simmons lacks. The Bucks have a trio. Giannis lacks, right? So now they only have basically a duo in terms of creating, right? Giannis can be canceled. Tobias can be can I'm thought Tobias. Um, Ben Simmons can be canceled. So now you only have a shot creating a duo of Embiid and Tobias, and then for the Bucks, a shot creating duo of Middleton and Drew, right? That doesn't add up or match the shot creating trio of KD, Kyrie, and Harden. The only one that has a true shot creating trio that matches that is Tatum, Brown, and Kemba. And that's where I was saying, even the position wise, they even match. I was saying that was, that's a, a trio that, like, potentially the Boston Celtics probably could give them the best fight in a seven game series in terms of the East. That's what I've always envisioned. I didn't envision anybody else. Maybe the Heat because. They have elite defense, and they, they have a trio. Like, they have their Butler, you know, Drogic, and Bam, and they do shot crate, let's be honest. But they're more so a threat due to the defense, and then they have shooters, right? They have, like, the Robinson and, and, and Hero, uh, and they're more so, like, you know, Shamit and, and, and Joe. So, you know, they, they have similar components, but then they have elite defense too. So, you know, that's more so, like, just – they're a different play style, but similar at times where that's the only one that I could see also threatening them. Those two teams are the only two teams. Like I, like I said, even last year, they were the main two teams that were like the best of the East. And you saw that by going, them going to the conference finals. And then that's what I still have that as those are the main two threat teams. Like the other teams, regular season, yes. But playoffs, they have to show me in terms of the Bucks and Philly. But, you know, Boston, Boston is a team that like now you're starting to see them turn it around. Win six games. They're what? Let's see. We'll see. They actually are right now. I'm pretty sure they're fifth, fifth or fourth. They're fifth right now, tied with Atlanta. I think Atlanta has a tiebreaker. No, Atlanta is the reason why Atlanta is four because Atlanta is in the other division. So how the division goes is, out of the top four, you have to have, um, at least three, at least sorry, out of the four, out of the top four, at least three of them have to be division leaders. So I think Atlanta is their division leader. I'm pretty sure. Let me check, make my, you know, do my due diligence. Like, you know, I always got to do. <laughs> yeah, Atlanta's that division leader. So they're the Southeast division leader. So Sixers and the Nets are the same. They're in the same division, right? They're both Atlantic. And then Milwaukee's their division leader. And then Boston is part of the Atlantic division with the Sixers, Nets, right? So they can't go to four because if they're fourth seed, then Atlanta will be fifth seed. And that doesn't make sense, right? The top four seeds 
I have to all three division leaders have to be in the top four seeds. So that's the reason why Atlanta's getting priority. And if they're the only way, the only way, um, and this is what's happening in other playoffs too. Like Boston Celtics, even if they have the tiebreaker, or let's say they have one game, they have a better record by one game above Atlanta. Atlanta will still hold the fourth seed, right? But they'll be four versus five. But at Boston Celtics will have home court advantage because the home court advantage is by record, not by seeding. So that's where that's where you know a lot of people don't they don't understand that aspect. But you know Boston Celtics right now, I'm pretty sure they have the tiebreaker, even though Atlanta is a fourth seed due to you know division reigns. Boston Celtics will probably have home court advantage if they have the tiebreaker right now. I don't know if they do or not, right? And even Atlanta, Atlanta has been winning. Like even New York, New York right is six is won six straight. When have you seen Atlantic Atlantic Division? Have all four teams in the top six. That's crazy. Philly number one, Brooklyn number two, four out of five. Sorry, because Raptors are obviously hella fugazi right now. Boston for five, and then New York six. That's crazy. <laughs> top six. There's only two other teams out of the division. Only the two other division leaders in all Atlantic. That's crazy. But anyways, yeah, the Boston Celtics. You know what I mean? They can still get home court advantage. That's all they need. Home court advantage. Obviously, it doesn't matter if they're fourth or fifth. But if they get home court advantage, because I'm pretty sure they're not gonna get third. They're hella far. They're like four and a half games back right now. But if they get the fifth seed or the fourth seed and home court advantage at the fourth seed, you know, they're good facing Atlanta. I mean, Atlanta's a tough matchup right now. Atlanta's been winning. They've changed. Like, Atlanta's been showing that they're like a problem. They're a problem ever since they, you know, they changed Nate McMillan. They changed their whole head coach, you know. They changed what happened there. Lloyd Pierce, obviously, unfortunately, got fired. Now they hired Nate McMillan, and they've been winning. They've been on a run since then. And when you know, look at it from that perspective, obviously, like, you know, Boston Celtics can face them and that would be an elite first round matchup. But at the end of the day, the main objective for Boston Celtics is get 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 a lot of wins going. They can maybe make up ground on Milwaukee and maybe get the third seed. That's the furthest I think they could get. But even then, that's kind of like that's hard. Milwaukee has to do a lot of losing for them to get that. And I don't see Milwaukee doing a lot of losing. I think that Milwaukee's also their regular season team. They're going to be winning. So I think, you know. Boston Celtics can stay where they at and you know, get home court advantage at the at the fifth seed. And that's their best case scenario. And they just have to close up the season strong. But again, that was the reason for the, the Celtics struggles. And they turned it around like I said they would. And I knew they would. And then eventually they did. So you already know that's what LA looks like, man. Tatum, you better rate him. That boy nice, man. That boy nice. We'll see how it goes. You already know I appreciate y'all. Share, like, and subscribe. We out here. There's no doubt here. There's no drought here. You feel me? It's true talks, because true talks, you already know, man. Tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend. <laughs> you already know, man. And I'm out, man. <laughs> <laughs>